Hey, everybody, just a quick note here. This is Gary Horn, your host, and I just wanted to drop in and say this is a special bonus episode of This is the NWA. As you may or may not have heard so far, Madeline Hoptree stopped by. We did the whole lead-up on YouTube rewatch number seven leading up to that Nick Aldis versus Cody match. We talked a little bit about it on that episode. During the process, I also got to thinking that, you know, what I should do is since it was such a historic event and actually as we're recording this, it is literally a year later that it would be good to also post a bonus episode covering the actual event of All In. Now, we decided early on we'd treat Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes as the main event, the last thing that we discussed. May or may not have done that anymore. Afterwards, maybe we talk about the big matches first, but also on top of that, I should note that Miles and Fred stop in and join me, and both of them set, and we watched the entirety of the evening of All In, and we had a few drinks whilst we did so. So, although Fred completely just drank water, Miles and I did get a little tipsy, so if we sound obnoxious at some points, or I don't think anything like it sounds terrible, but I'm a little bit slower on the uptake, and I think I got some factual stuff wrong, so please don't be too harsh on me. I'm already, I don't feel too great about the fact that I uh, drink a little too much during that for like being recording afterwards, but you live and you learn, I guess. I mean, it's not like I don't want to set you up for that it's going to be like something just terrible or anything. I just mean that if I don't sound as upbeat as this, we're it's just, it was a long day, and we'd also been hanging out just like guys just out at a bar drinking and watching a show. So that out of the way, it is a very good show, an extra two hours of bonus content, I think, here. And uh, we go into detail on every single match on All In, give our opinions and perspectives and what we think is coming up for the future of the NWA and even a little discussion of the AEW. Let us know what you think if you like us keeping with this. Uh, I mean, I think that we're still going to end up covering NWA 70 as well as we get to that. Also talking about Crockett Cup obviously. So all of that out of the way, just wanted to drop this little note in there. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Again, as always, thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy it. the NWA. It's a podcast celebrating the past, present, the future, the history, the legacy, the tradition, the whole thing of one of the greatest wrestling promotions of all time, the National Wrestling Alliance. You know what we're here for. I am your host, Gary Horn. And today we're going into our very first like historical point I guess you would call it a significant moment in history for the National Wrestling Alliance. I'm talking about September 1st, 2018, all in. And to help me out, I brought along two guests that have been here in the past. Miles Griffin. Hello, hello. And Fred Sims. He made me watch us again, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, you've seen us do we do YouTube rewatches. We're going to get into more historical figures and aspects about the NWA. But one of the biggest things that's happened in the history of the National Wrestling Alliance most recently is this all-in pay-per-view. It's led to several different things, not all of them involving 
the NWA, but just as a data point, decided that we should discuss this significant pay-per-view. Absolutely. This is a big moment in wrestling history. So we sat down, had a few cold ones, watched it as (laughs) bros. Miles and I. Fred, I think, has drank water the whole time, so at least he'll keep us on track. Yeah, I needed to be level-headed for the sheer amount of amazing that they cut off short at the end of All In. All right, so see. Come out swinging, Fred. Uh, Oh, if if this fanhood remembers, that's how it was in the beginning. You know, I might have been nicer on the re-record since we had to do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) If you uh, have Ring of Honor, Honor Club, New Japan World... Those sorts of things, you might be able to watch it. If you bought it initially on Fight TV, you probably have access to it. It's one of those things that never came out on DVD or anything because it involved a lot of different people working together to make a thing happen. In fact, I want to give you a little bit of history here real quick before we get rolling. If you don't know, All In was an independent professional wrestling pay-per-view. It was initially conceived by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, that's Matt and Nick Jackson, from the Bullet Club. took place on September 1st, 2018, as I mentioned, at the Sears Center Arena. It aired live on traditional pay-per-view and Fight TV, also Honor Club. The event was preceded by something called Zero Hour, which is an hour-long pre-show that aired on WGN America. The event was independently produced and featured wrestlers from Ring of Honor, Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, which is also known as CMLL, which is easier for me to say. New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Lucha Libre, AAA Worldwide, and of course, the National Wrestling Alliance, which is why we're here. So the origins of this pay-per-view, folks, is that back in May of 2017, a fan wrote in on Twitter to Wrestling Observer Newsletter journalist Dave Meltzer and said... When do you think Ring of Honor could sell 10,000 tickets? And Meltzer said, not anytime soon. Shots fired. Yeah. (laughs) Cody Rhodes saw this tweet and said, I'm going to take that bet, Dave. Eventually, the idea evolved from a Ring of Honor show to a self-funded event with sanctioning from Ring of Honor. But it was promoted strictly by by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. It was uh, later announced that... Folks like Kenny Omega got involved, Brandy Rhodes, obviously, actress Stephen Amell would be participating. They just pulled their shit together and decided they were going to make a pay-per-view event. In the coming weeks, wrestlers would start to be announced to be a part of the show, including Penta El Cero, Ray Phoenix, Kazuchika Okada, Tessa Blanchard, Jay Lethal, Chelsea Green, Marty Skrull, and Hangman Page. Additionally, it was announced... That to coincide with the event, Conrad Thompson, who had found some success with things like Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, would host an event called StarCast, which would be like a fan convention. And it would feature numerous wrestlers, different podcast personalities, people like Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard, Diamond Dallas Page, Macaulay Culkin, of all people. They held a press conference on May 13th. And it was announced that Rey Mysterio would also be all in. And that NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis would be taking part in the event. Uh, we'll have covered this at this point, but Nick Aldis basically announces, or Billy Corgan announces, that Nick Aldis will be defending that World Heavyweight Championship against Cody Rhodes. So, that was on May 13th, and tickets went on sale the same day as the press conference. And in less than 30 minutes, despite... The only match officially announced at the time, 
Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis, the ticket sold out. Cody and the Young Bucks started a series called All Us, chronicling the lead up to the event. I feel like I'm just diving into a lot of boring detail, but basically it was a big deal at the time. Like yeah. Dave Meltzer had challenged these folks. Cody and the Young Bucks decided they would make something happen. The only event they officially announced was they got the participation in the NWA, Cody versus Nick Aldis, and then the event sold out in less than 30 minutes. So Mr. Dave Meltzer, who is like a wrestling historian and expert, depending on who you talk to, he was proven wrong. Proven wrong in the terms of an indie pay-per-view selling 10,000 tickets. But to answer the original tweet, it wasn't a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So that's an interesting point. Yeah, that that is something I'm not sure if we should talk about before or after the pay-per-view. I feel like we should probably get all of the the inside baseball and, and historical as, uh, historical aspect out of it out of the way first before we get into the event itself because okay. there's a lot to unpack with this event because this led to the birth of the AEW and that's kind of an elephant in the room as well that we're going to have to address. Yeah. I feel like we should get all of that out of the way before we talk about the event itself. When this event sold out in less than 30 minutes, it was the first time that an event had sold out over 10,000 seats that was like a pro wrestling event had sold out over 10,000 seats that wasn't WWE since like 1993. Billy Corgan has been kind of prophesizing throughout his um, tenure as the, the general manager of the NWA is that he wa- he wanted to see all of the independent wrestling companies come together and make something. And this this kind of brings that into fruition. Like you have people from Ring of Honor, you have the NWA, you have uh, New Japan, you have all these people coming together and and their fans coming together. Like it's kind of a perfect storm of everyone who is not the WWE coming together to make an event. And I... I I do think that like you kind of had to have this lull and this desire to create something like All In hap- to, to make that happen. That's it's it's an interesting point and it's a discussion that happened a lot during the time. It's like what exactly were the factors that went into this event selling out? I think there are just ten thousand people that hate Dave Meltzer. i've mentioned this on my appearances here i think i think uh fred might have even touched on it when he was on the show but there is a lot of discontent with the wwe from pro wrestling fans there there are some people who have been out for over a decade but they're, they're they're they still have kept up with wrestlers and with wrestling in general and i feel like this gave them something to get excited about and and support and go see that wasn't a WWE event or a WWE adjacent event. Well, it's funny you say that. There is definitely a lot of different things that can start to draw money. I actually had had noted while I was thinking about this event earlier today that the bigger events that you ever see happen that were not WWE events usually revolve around a few specific sets of details. One could be like, there's like one major star that's retiring or something like that. You could have a bunch of stars come together from different promotions to like do one card. There's things like Triple H or not Triple H Freudian slip, I guess you might call it a wrestling. Is it it a Freudian slip for you? (laughs) (laughs) Triple A uh, had tried to run shows in the United States before, but they are targeting a specific cultural 
demographic at the time. <clears throat> that sort of demographic coming to their thing. And there's also the nostalgia draw that you could do. Absolutely. Like, where people go to it and they're like, this is why I used to love wrestling. Like, well, there, th- There's like a lot of different things you can do. And I think that's what a lot of the independent wrestling organizations bring is, this is what I remember loving. Whereas the WWE has kind of moved away from that and become their own thing. Love it or hate it, it's, it, it is a different thing than it was 20 years ago. There hasn't been a lot of, I don't know if it's marketing or, or what, but I, I don't think a lot of attention has been paid to some of these organizations until there was a lot of discontent with the WWE. That is certainly part of it. There is value in being rebellious. There is value in being the company that is opposing the big machine. Paul Heyman famously had ECW, and it was considered like the rebellious federation. He was. I remember that. Like, yeah. Well, and because it was and supposed to be like the extreme. Yeah, and at a certain point, Paul Heyman was running out of money, and WWE just to help create competition with WCW was funding ECW. But if you were to watch ECW TV at that time, Paul Heyman would still talk shit about WWE because theater. That was he the was brand. smart. Yeah. He was smart. He knew that that's what you have to do. It meant more that they were the rebellion. It's us versus them. Right. Even though he's taking money from the machine, he's like, well, we and, are against the well, machine. And Billy Corgan touches on that in the road to all in. He talks about how he feels like rock and roll is no longer, it's lost its rebellious luster. And that professional wrestling is the real rebellious outlet right now. And, and, and it makes sense because they have a big giant to kind of compete against. And they have this kind of machine to, for lack of a better term, rage against. And it, it completely makes sense. Well, what, one of the funny things about that, too, is uh, – so there was a guy named Chris Harrington. I, I, I read an article by him, and he talked a lot about professional wrestling and the business aspect of it. He has a podcast about it, and I cannot remember the name of it. I apologize. But anyway, he made a point one time that when you say that you like professional wrestling anymore, that's almost like saying, I read books. And it's like, okay, but there are lots of books. You know, there's there's lots of different types of books. So my point I being... I don't know if I agree with that assessment of professional wrestling. Well, maybe you don't. I'm, I'm just saying he's saying that there are different types of professional wrestling. There, and there I think are. what Billy is talking about, the value in independent promotions and that sort of thing, one of the values is, is that a lot of different places and a lot of different people try to produce something that they think will be valuable to a fan base without an imposing will being forced upon them. There's a punk rock atmosphere to being an independent wrestling organization right now. I think you could look at All In as, in my opinion, being one of the first places that a lot of those things all came together in one place at one time, and it was successful. Yeah. And it, so it, it led to the creation of AEW, All Elite Wrestling, which has has steadily become more and more popular. It has sold out all three of its pay-per-view events. And at the same time, it is becoming more and more apparent that they are trying to be the alternative to WWE as opposed to not being the WWE. Yeah, so so that 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 could be part of the legacy of actually what All In accomplished. But I think like leading into All In, 
there was this idea that there's these a lot of different things going on in the wrestling business that could work, that may make something valuable. Right. And, and we've got to find a way to get them all in a room so that people can see them. Let's right. see what and, happens. Let's see if it gets the support so that it the, deserves. The promise of All In is to be, yeah, to be to showcase every single type of independent wrestler and have a place where all these people can come together. One thing that I think helped make this merge together is that the Young Bucks and Cody had an idea that if you ask them themselves, they will credit to a lot to David Lagana and Billy Corgan and what they were doing with and 10 pounds of gold yeah. series on NWA. Yeah. That they had decided they were going to start this thing and they would start building around this title that had been around since the 40s. A lot of history behind it, a lot of ups and downs with this title, but and we're going to focus on it and we're going to make this matter again. So right. they they start putting out little video snippets online, you could say. And the guys from at this time the Bullet Club uh, like Cody Rhodes and um, the Unbox, Kenny Omega, Marty Skrull, uh, Hangman Page, all of these guys, they also began doing their own thing as well. They had their uh, Being the Elite YouTube series. The thing about All In is it feels like a celebration of wrestling. It feels like something that like we love professional wrestling and we want to show you the very best of all sides of professional wrestling. It's almost doing a disservice to what the NWA has done because the yeah AEW has a momentum right now and you know they have a little bit of a bigger presence because if you compare the money behind it you know Tony Khan is a, has a little bit more money than Billy Corgan right um but realistically there's no AEW without the NWA so i don't know that the NWA has to build off of that momentum they started the momentum it's it's their wave so so i'm kind of on board with you there like i i was I was pointing out, well, you were looking at my notes because one of the things that I have is like in talking about, like if we're getting into the legacy of this pay-per-view, is that one of the things it proved is that there are fans out there, fans with money that will travel and will pay to experience a pure wrestling uh, something, event. Yeah, something well, that they're excited about, and, and, just in and, general. Something that they're excited about. People will pay and they'll want to go do it, especially in these divisive times that the world just is in as we speak. Right. People would love to unify behind some entertainment that they just enjoy altogether. I feel like All In was a big step in showing that that's possible. Yeah, and and so but so the 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 word on everyone's lips right now is 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 AEW. And that's that's what I was responding to is that there's this this big momentum that they have right now. It's not that the NWA is not responsible for it. I just want to know what can the NWA do right now to take advantage of this momentum of people who want something outside of WWE. Not that the the NWA hadn't had anything to do with it, but like right now when you know you have these arena events selling out consistently, something like All In to me was exactly what I wanted to see at the time. And I feel like that there there could be something like that again. And let's let's run through the show, and then we can talk about like what it meant to history, what it meant to sure. wrestling. I, I didn't mean to derail it. I just felt like I, I wanted to get that elephant in the, in the room of of the AEW question out of the way. Nobody's nobody's saying you derailed it, bro. 
I don't know. Fred's giving me this this kind of. I haven't made contact eye contact with Miles that's one the, time. That's, I, that's the problem. He hasn't, he, hasn't, he hasn't made eye contact with me once. He's like this motherfucker. Miles <laughs> Miles had more beer than the rest of us. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so it's equal beer except for me, just water. Yeah, just water. you're just water. So keep it together, Fred. All right, so let's talk about the show. So I want to talk for a minute a little bit about StarCast, because StarCast was the thing that also came along with All In, and we don't have to get into like real deep detail about StarCast. But one thing I loved about what this All In thing triggered is that Conrad Thompson, famous for... Uh, the, people call him the Podfather. He is a guy who is uh, you know, probably a little more successful than the rest of us sometimes. He's a very successful... Sometimes? Well, I mean, in, in that he's a very successful real estate guy, and he happens to be in with Ric Flair somehow and ended up marrying Ric Flair's daughter. And uh, so he has access. He's He's been doing these podcasts. And I'm not, I'm not attributing that, by the way, if anybody hears this, that that's the only reason he has success. I think all of this led to those other things. But Conrad was a fan that was a, a very dedicated fan and ended up getting in and starting these podcasts. And he's been famous now for having podcasts with Folks like Ric Flair, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, those kind of names. He's out there doing his thing. And he decided he wanted to start a convention of sorts called StarCast. He coincided it with All In, which I just want to give credit to because I think that besides just the pay-per-view, he pitched it to Cody as like, hey, man, what if I do this convention thing in Chicago at the same time as All In happens? My point being is that Conrad started this whole thing in Chicago, and All In went from being a pay-per-view that had sold out to now it was a whole weekend worth of stuff. People think of WrestleMania weekend being a huge weekend, all of a sudden, this small indie event, StarCast, has become WrestleMania weekend for a lot of people. And arguably, like just a lot of people disenfranchised with the WWE. But it was a cool idea. He had like a bunch of these podcasts promoting live. He had little weird things like karaoke with Marty Skrull. But it worked. It became a go-to event for that weekend. And that has also continued on. They ended up one of the cool things you could do for StarCast Weekend is the weigh-ins. Actually giving it that big fight feel. So they well, did. I that. mean, just another interaction for the, the fans to come out and, and kind of see that build up. Because it, at the time, it's not necessarily presented as gospel truth. But typically, the bigger draw is going to be something that has a build to it. And, you know, you see that in the, the world of WWE wrestling where they, they try to build a story to a point and then they have a big falling out. You know, they have the, the, the final match and then it moves on to the next thing. With something like All In, you don't get that because it's just announced, you know, okay, Aldis is going to fight Cody Rhodes. Why? You're going to get the build up via the NWA videos and things like that, but not everybody's seeing that. So to have something like that weigh in where there's a little bit of interaction and they can do something to kind of draw that interest of the people that are there, um, you know, that that kind of thing makes sense in terms of how they would utilize that little extra. I have a specific quote from Wade Keller where he talks about being in a room where in that convention room, he says there's lots of stuff going on but they ask sean mooney like hey would you be interested in interviewing nick aldis and sean mooney is like yes let's do it 
And they say that Nick Aldis, who had just been chilling over by a table at a certain point, is like, okay, we're doing this. Let's do this. And just like is immediately in character. And he said the respect in the room that like people who had been walking around talking and stuff, everybody just kind of stops and watches this thing happen. And then it finishes and then they get back together and everybody's having a good time. And Wade Keller says it's around this time that former WWE ring announcer Justin Roberts, who was handling the main ring announcing duties at All In, noted to me how different this atmosphere was backstage than at the hundreds of the big WWE events he was a part of over the years. He said, this is the way it's supposed to be. Everybody's at ease. Nobody's worrying about who they're talking to or whether they're saying too much or too little or the wrong people in the wrong way. Everybody just appreciates that we're all here for the same reason. And I loved that about it. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. But that's also something I think you can only get in independent pro wrestling. No matter what we think about the WWE, I don't think that that would exist in that atmosphere. So one of the things that this, and it may be part of the legacy or, or it may end up being just kind of a, an offhand comment, is when you're talking about having that backstage feeling and, and that kind of thing. I think the reason, as before we were talking about, there wasn't a real big push for like 15 years. I think part of that reason may be we as wrestling fans and the wrestling business in, in general still has that feel as the indies are kind of territories. And sure, you, you have that mindset of we're going to bring all these people together and they're all going to be dicks about working together and we're going to have to juggle all these egos and deal with all of this and to hear something like that would help alleviate any future situations like this or any any pay-per-views or big cards like this being put together because it, it at least sheds some light on what could have been a major deterrent over right. the last 15 years before something like all in happened i mean just sitting here before you even mentioned that that was one of the things i was thinking about having all of these different indie organizations come together. I mean, you have a situation where you have the Ring of Honor champion fighting fifth or sixth on a card. Ring of Honor has to be okay with that. Jay Lethal has to be okay with that. You know, the things that happen in that match, they have to okay. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, you have another match from, you know, a star from another organization. And in that regard, what Justin Roberts is saying that, you know, in the the large events that he was a part of in the WWE, some of those things would have never flown. There's no way that a Jay Lethal world champion WWE, and not Jay specifically, but you know that right. that level of you know fame and champion is going to be cool being mid card as the champion. You know, no, that I'm closing this show. I'm the one taking this home, as opposed to what you got to see at the end of All In. You know, it, right? It, and I think that. That may be some of, you know, again, we'll get into it later with the legacy, is this working the way it did alleviates some of that concern moving forward. And I think I think part of that might also be the rarity of the event. Like everyone put their egos aside, but this is not SummerSlam. This is not Evolution. This is a very unique special event. There may not have been any concerns of, oh, we're fifth on this card. And we have to do this. I think it's everyone who wanted to make a, just a very special wrestling event. I think that there's, at a, at a certain point, there's there's things that were probably non-negotiable. Yeah. When you get to the point of, uh, as we'll discuss, where Okada shows up. Right. Okada's big dog. 
and he will stay a big dog at the end of this, you know, that so, sort of thing. Right. Like it's, someone has to be thrown with a dick. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess <laughs> that's, that was not negotiable. Yeah, that was not that, negotiable. That was, that was that, that's part of his shtick. The now, only buildup they gave us during the show was the buildup to a guy getting thrown by a yeah, dick. So, yeah, that, I mean, the, that's oh, yeah. 100% it, it, non-negotiable. Exactly. That The whole story we got was that he was murdered <laughs> somehow by a telephone with questionable makeup. But so, so for him to come out and not do something with his dick, because we got all these flashbacks, I would have been disappointed. Fred would have been disappointed. If you're Joey Wright, yeah, if I, mean, I don't use my dick, this isn't a no-go. Match one, Aldous Cody announced, and they get to close to a sellout. People had the idea that Joey Ryan's dick would flip someone. 30 minutes. Done. <laughs> what was really fucked up is if you go back in the history, like there was a point during the uh, negotiation between Aldous and Cody where Aldous was like, what if I flip you with my dick? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, that's Ryan's spot. You can't do yeah. that. Non-negotiable. <laughs> Non-negotiable. No Cody Rhodes dick flip. No Nick Aldous <laughs> dick flip. Do it. And we were robbed because of it. Uh, now, I will say Wade Keller also goes on to point out, I, I did love this story out of leaving Starcast and we could move on to the actual show. But he does say, uh, this is from his his actual write-up about the show. He says, As I wandered back into the hotel and made my way to the front lobby for the final time before driving Bruce Mitchell to the airport, suddenly around a dozen security guards sprinted past me and toward the front of the hotel where ODB was selling food out of her food truck. They ran up to Bagwell, Buff Bagwell, who was trying to quickly load his luggage into the back of a black SUV. Buff, as I'd later learned, was upset with how the payoff went for his appearances that weekend. He had just finished one of the podcast tapings for the weekend, why it ended with Robbie E. and Matt Coon, a few minutes earlier, where I saw him tell some stories about all the 1990s wrestlers whom he trained and worked indie shows with who went on to big things. The dispute, I'm told, had to do with whether he'd be paid cash on the spot, even though fans paid for StarCast events largely on credit card. He vehemently made his case to security, who made sure he did not drive off with the bundle of cash he had stolen and ran with minutes earlier. <laughs> and that's and that is why something like All In took fifteen years to happen because of people like Buff Bagwell. What Keller just says it did feel like a symbolic cap on a weekend, which was, in some ways, a last grasp for one generation and an elevation of stature for another. A hundred and ten percent. And this is a situation where Buff could literally hear this because he's going to be in Greenville on a show coming up, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> you fucking thief. So we've we've gone through StarCast. Let's talk about All In itself. Right off the bat, I think that All In immediately just had this cool frenetic energy. Like, as soon as it starts up, like, it's got this energy where this is something different. This is not your typical pay-per-view event that you're used to, at least not in, in recent years. At, from a wrestling standpoint, as far as, as being a wrestling fan, like, that sort of thing immediately gets me excited. Because if, if I'm paying money, because this was, what, $50 when it came out? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think like, something around that. having that event compared to, like, this past year's WrestleMania, which was a slog... Like, from the very beginning, there was just no energy. This felt super exciting. So I think where 
some of what you have to take into consideration, and in the end, I could be entirely wrong. You had 10,000 people that bought this show out in 30 minutes. Those are not casual fans. Those are 10,000 people who have, who probably live, breathe, and die wrestling. Sure. And what WWE has become at this point, it's a, a name. WrestleMania weekend is a destination. A WrestleMania show. is just a thing. It, it It's a, um, you can then tell people, oh, I went to WrestleMania. Oh, great. Who'd you see? I, I don't know. I don't really watch wrestling. Oh, why the hell did you go to WrestleMania? Right. No, <laughs> no, one, no, no, I agree with no that. No one went to All In that could not tell you that in every the single opening, wrestler, yeah. yeah, in the opening match, it was MJF and uh, Matt Cross. So you're getting that that level of energy from the beginning because this is 10,000 people that are genuinely excited. And yes, to Gary's point, it's good for the wrestlers to also have that level of like buying in and making sure that everyone has a good time. But when they're coming out to a crowd energy like that, you're failing if you're not living up to it. You're, you're right. given that energy from the beginning. That's a really good point. I mean, it, and this is a thing that would be discussed for like months after. Like, how do you repeat this moment? Is it at all repeatable i think it's it, not repeatable in terms of it being genuine i so, mm, so now what's going to be now how it's going to be repeatable is what you see from crowds all of the time in wwe events and in some of the so i watched fight for the fallen i'll probably watch all out it is too quick to label what you're watching as the best thing you've seen because you have a recency bias. Sure. This is a big deal because of what it means. There was a lot of big stuff that happened, but those fans going to future events are going to feel they need to give that level of energy, even if the product is not the same. Listen, you sons of bitches. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start running through everything that happened in this event, and I'm going to talk about it, and we'll just like briefly go through it, because clearly the conversation at this point, we're not doing it like the night after. I get it. It's kind of dumb for us to just like focus strictly on every little detail of the matches. This is probably, by the time this posts, almost to the day a year yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to run through. If there's things that you think stand out or that we should talk about... We'll mention them, but I'm going to run through the events, and then after, we will finish up discussing the legacy of All In. Is that fair? Sure. Okay. Fine, Dad. Yeah, I'm just saying. (laughs) This whole conversation got completely derailed. I'm sorry, but we're going to get there. I just want to make sure that we at least dedicate it to... I feel like if we just like go into the events of the matches after all of this... It's going to be pointless. There was a one hour long pre-show called Zero Hour. Uh, we did not get to watch that. That's not available on Fight TV. Cody and the Young Bucks opened the event and brought out Road Warrior Animal. Afterwards, Cody and the Young Bucks offered those in attendance free Hot Topic and Pro Wrestling Tees merchandise. So good for them. Nice. The first match of Zero Hour featured a tag team match between SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, and the Briscoe Brothers, who... I have seen the Briscoe brothers in person, and they are badass. And I don't, you know, feel sorry that they were in the opening match because those guys are well, good. But All In did run long, so like they, you couldn't squeeze them in. Yeah, I get it. And anyway, who would you have cut? Yeah, so. exactly. No, I'm I'm with you. Anyway, Kazarian reversed a Doomsday device. 
into a power slam to win the match. That, that's how that went. Next up was the over-the-budget battle royal is what they called it. It was like all the people they couldn't afford to put on the regular show. Now you're in a battle royal, and the winner would face Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Championship on the main card. In the climax, Bully Ray eliminated Colt Cabana. He thought he won, but Flip Gordon came in in the guise of a character called Chico El Luchador and eliminated... Bully Ray to win the battle royal and the shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship. So you guys saw obviously the match, but you didn't right. see this part. Uh, there was a weird storyline where uh, Brandy was a fan of Flip. Cody was not a fan of Flip. Cody teased putting Flip on the card. Brandy thought sh- he should be on the card because he's like, I don't know, maybe. All right, I'll put you on the card. And then Bully interrupted and like beat the shit out of Flip. Flip got his comeuppance in this battle royal by eliminating Bully Ray and winning the shot at the Ring of Honor World title. Uh, the people that were in that battle royal were people like Moose, Brandon Cutler, Chucky e. T, Trent Barretta, Rocky Romero, Cheeseburger, The Hurricane, Ethan Page, Tommy Dreamer, Jimmy Jacobs, Punishment Martinez, Austin Gunn, Billy Gunn, Marco Stunt, Brian Cage, Jordan Grace, Colt Cabana, and Bully Ray. Those are all the other people that were in that tournament. For anybody that missed that, I don't know how you see that. I didn't dig too much more into it. Okay, let's move on to the main card. All right. So as you may have guessed, I was all in for this whole thing, pun intended again, for Cody versus Aldis, and I was bummed that it came early. We could maybe speculate on why that is, but for me, that was the main event. So I want to treat that like the main event on this show and talk about it at the end. Sure. Of the thing. I I wasn't so bummed because I felt like every card on this event was supposed to be kind of a main event level match. Sure it is. But this is the NWA at the NWA pod. I get that. I'm just saying I I, I wasn't disappointed in in the way it turned out because... Well, I'm glad you weren't. I was. I was totally bummed that Cody (laughs) versus Aldis was the middle of the card. And, and, And maybe this is a thing to discuss at a certain point, but... But it's also Cody. To me, Cody that was then the is where Cody is now. Thought that Cody versus Aldis had the best buildup and the best storyline. I don't disagree. If I had to look back ten years from now, and somebody were to ask me, "What do you remember about All In in 2018?" I would be like, "Cody won the NWA World Championship." That would be the moment. For so, me. so for me, and and this is purely just me. I like for what what I personally consider to be the main event to happen closer to the middle of the show because that's when everyone's paying the most attention. By the end of that show, you have less people watching in terms of a pay-per-view event. I mean, I I definitely was surprised at the placement and I think I think it's funny that we're we're discussing placement on the card that clearly wasn't an issue to the guys who put the show together. Right. Um, You're probably right. So, but yeah, in in terms of build up and maybe pedigree and and things of that nature, it definitely is a surprise to see that match specifically. Talking about the rest of the show and, and getting into those type of things, it may have been wasted in that last spot because you got to see how emotional it was for Cody to win that belt whereas Mm -hmm. the way that the show kind of had to end and you know like you said we'll get to that you wouldn't have 
that's a great point because the show ran long and you would not have gotten that extended moment for Cody. I'm going to just jump in and say that I hate both of you for making that point. It's a point that I might slightly agree with, but I will not concede because... <laughs> the, the look on your face as you completely agree, you just want that to be the last match. <laughs> I will not concede because it opposes my point of view, so I will... I don't think it does. <laughs> I, th- I think you agree with what Fred and I are, 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 are saying. Well, for this show, this thing that's happening right now, we will save that match for the last topic of discussion. That's, no, that's it's the main event of the podcast. <laughs> yes, it just wasn't the main event of all And again, it. I like... For the main event to be in the center of the show, so like I'm fine with us talking about that last. Yeah, let's let's, right. let's talk about but Arrow. If if you were talking, you know, 20 years from now, what's one thing you remember from All In? For you, it's Cody Rhodes wins the NWA World Heavyweight Title, 10 pounds of gold, and I can see the bias there. Uh, for me, it's uh, MJF killing it and then taking a loss. Why? Like that's a coming out party for MJF being the the new big heel that I, he is destined to be, and then they just let some dude do a flip on him. What I love about you, Fred, is that I'm not a hundred percent sure how accurate that statement is, or how <laughs> you're being, or how eager you are to move this podcast along in the direction that it should be going in. <laughs> but uh, the very first match of the card, I felt was, the same way. I was like, he's just trying to get us to talk about the matches. <laughs> That's called a segue, you bitches. <laughs> Let's get professional. MJF took on uh, M Dog Matt Cross in the very opening match. And MJF is a heat magnet. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, he's he said some stuff that I, I just I can't abide. I mean, it ends up with uh, M Dog Matt Cross and hitting a cross cutter and winning the match. But listen, we we all discussed how Matt Cross has zero percent body fat and it's just a good looking dude. Mm-hmm. But MJF is I think like, you're looking good. That's He's the for KFC you. of all in. That's that's <laughs> for you guys. But I will say. That uh, if you're looking for one of the the stars of this whole show, MJF is it. MJF is easy to hate. Yep. Uh, oh, and that's, a- what, that's what makes a great heel. You have to be easy to hate. Like people have to hate you. It doesn't work if you're trying to be that guy and people still love you. Right. There's a difference in you know the antihero and then the heel. And MJF will never be the antihero. Yeah, I don't even know how MJF ever comes around. Like, MJF is, all respect, the biggest piece of shit. He just nails it. But in watching this, um, you know, obviously we're, as Gary said, pun intended, all all in on MJF. Watching Matt Cross work in the limited offense he seemed to have in this, I would really like to see him against a guy like Ricochet. Matt Cross comes across to me as a guy that has worked his ass off in the independent scene and is super skilled. And and they even make it a point in the show to mention that he's he's been wrestling for like 20, 20 years. Yeah, 20 yeah. Year and I, I thought I thought he looked fantastic out there. I would have actually really have liked to see him against uh, Adam Page. I have no doubt Matt Cross could have a good match with anybody that you threw him in the ring with. Yeah, no, so. I mean, he, he looked fantastic in terms of if you're a work rate guy like yeah matt cross is 
is top notch. Like he seems like and a, it, an, an amazing. It wrestler. honestly it made for a fantastic first match. Like the match itself, I thought ran very smoothly. It like everyone looked good. Oh, it was a perfect opener. I was very very excited going into that first match. I was like, all right, that's match one. It and even fantastic. and even with the fact that MJF, who a lot of people at the point might not have known, um, getting Matt Cross to have the win over MJF was. A nice touch just to get you that good opening match. Couldn't have asked for something better, I don't think. Yeah. All right. The next thing that happens, we've already kind of touched on. It's a throwback to Sean Mooney. I I just remember that guy from my uh, WWF videos. Like he was always in the uh, control room and talking about stuff and interviewing yeah. people. But anyway, he they say he's interviewing Christopher Daniels, but it ends up being Nick Aldis. So just if I could point out any flaws with this show. Yeah, I'd like to Christopher Daniels, out. big time the interview. And as a true NWA champion does, he stepped in and saved the day. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so the next match ends up being Stephen Amell versus... Or, or Stephen Amell with Josh Segura, I should yes. say, for people like uh, Miles who actually watch Arrow, versus Christopher Daniels, and he is representing SoCal Uncensored. I guess they said Stephen Amell is representing Bullet Club because yes. he's buddies with those folks. Well, because he, he and Cody go back to WWE days, like when he was Stardust, because there is that time period where Stardust somehow developed a rivalry with Stephen Amell. Okay. And they even had uh, a match on, I can't remember if it was an event or if it was Raw or something, but they 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 did some stuff together. And uh, he got Cody on Arrow for a few episodes, and like they they've developed a good working relationship. So having having Stephen Amell for the, for for all in, I think I think made a lot of sense because one, he's a huge wrestling fan, and he's going to bring a lot of people who may not have initially been super into wrestling into this kind of thing because uh, you know Era has been a big cultural event for the CW, and and honestly, I think that uh, Stephen Amell is a very good athlete. I think they had to be counting on that. The obviously the only reason you'd ever bring a celebrity into one of these things is if just... he was John Mayer. <laughs> oh yeah. So constantly throughout the beginning of the show, they they talk about everyone's here tonight, and it only just shows John Mayer, who who doesn't look super interested, but I think this is how his face works. We we had this conversation during the thing. They showed John Mayer one time, and it's, it's like, like everyone's Ian. here. I, I didn't mention, by the way, on commentary, Ian Riccoboni, Excalibur, and Don Callis. All the stars are here. John Mayer. That's all the stars. Star. Yes, it is, Ian. I love Ian Riccoboni. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great uh, play-by-play man. But Yeah, I know. Um, he was fantastic. But like that that line, like I mean, I was cracking up because like... It, they, they hug on John they, Mayer. They, like, and the camera hangs on John Mayer, who looks... <laughs> Like John Mayer, he's just kind of has a like somber look. He's got resting somber face. Oh, Typically, please. when you bring in a celebrity for a wrestling match, it's just goof. You know, it's it's just there for specul for for the for the spectator for the sensationalism. Spectacle. Yeah. The the thing about Stephen Amell, though, for me is yes, he he there there's a couple mat, uh, points throughout the match where he does kind of miss his mark a little bit, and that comes from being a relative rookie to wrestling. I agree. I agree. He does, though. Like, I, I think that Stephen Amell is by far probably the best celebrity that you could include in a match. Aside from, like, that one time Snooki showed up and... All right, shut the fuck up. Because she did, like, backflips and shit. That was pretty yeah, cool. Joking aside, it really is. So 
having come from being a an avid WWE watcher that, you know, I had talked about the first time I was on the show, seeing something like that where there's a celebrity involved, the celebrity is, you know, he's the tag partner, which Amel had already done a couple yeah. of times. He'll get in, he'll do a spot or two. There's not a lot of um, activity or, or work coming from that guy. And in this case, Stephen Amell is going up against one of the better solo wrestlers that wrestling has seen. Christopher Daniels can do basically everything. Right. He's carried people through matches. He's been, you know, the guy that gets carried in, in, in sometimes, you know, back to his impact days. He just wasn't there. You know, like he, he does everything. And Stephen Amell held his own with Christopher Daniels the entire match. He, in the beginning, it's very slow. You know, I made the joke about how it kind of opens up with the the kind of back the lift and drop that every celebrity always does because it's easy. I can pick you up and put you down. Right. But I mean, he follows it up with a, a pretty nice looking drop kick, and he gets into you know some coast. actual yeah the coast to coast. He gave his body up to go through a table. Like he really killed himself to provide a quality wrestling match, well, not I, just well, a, a I, celebrity. If you could have. Any other people that you would want a celebrity person in in the ring with? Christopher Daniels, and then it's worth mentioning also the referee for this match is Jerry Lynn. These are guys who have made it on their own. They have right. never been stars in like a major federation or promotion or anything like that. But these are guys that that people know their names and. Stephen Amell is in there with both of them. So I think that that's kind of what you're saying. Like, I mean, if you're going to do this, Christopher Daniels is the guy to be in there. And I think they knew that. Right. Yeah. Well, um, also, Stephen Amell, I mean, he's not one of those guys that, you know, checks out and then has a stunt double. I mean, he has a stunt double, but like he's someone who has to train to do his thing because his face is on a lot of those scenes. So he's worked with stunt stuff before. So it's not incredibly out of his purview to do stuff with uh daniel the guy obviously gives a shit about making wrestling look good he yeah. cares about wrestling i have nothing negative to say about Stephen yeah no, I, I know this thing i'm just a i fan. think if <laughs> in terms of where this conversation is centered around a mel is more if we're giving people the idea of hey why don't you go check out this show for the most part, when you hear a celebrity versus wrestler match, that's going to be the match you check out on. Yeah. In yeah. this case, you should do yourself a favor and watch it because yeah. Stephen O'Mell went above and beyond, in my opinion. Like, I, I got more than I expected out of this. It's not the Seth Green Triple H situation that you had. <laughs> I don't even know what that situation is. I don't even remember it. Oh, but. I mean, it was well, basically the same as, as WrestleMania last year. Like, Seth Green just ran around the ring for a little bit and got tossed out. Okay. Well, this ends up with Stephen Amell finally taking the best moonsault ever and losing the match. And that also feels like the fair thing. In, a, in an event such as this, I mean, I'm sure people would have accepted it, but it's nice to see. No, like, I, I, let's let's even have as, as the a fan, actual wrestler the per win. yeah, exactly. The, the the guy who's the wrestler who has a career to go forward with in this purview should win. Tanil Dashwood and Mandy Leon on commentary as they watch the uh, women's four way match that occurs. Britt Baker, Madison Rain, loved Doctor Britt Baker, Baker, Chelsea Green, <laughs> and Tessa Blanchard. It's a pretty if, solid match. If not for Omega and Penta later on, this is my favorite match. Yeah, really? um, it's a, it's a really fantastic match. I have a hard time believing anybody 
can beat Tessa Blanchard. Like in, in a wrestling match or just in, a, in life? Just in life. Yeah. <laughs> so it, Tessa it was, Blanchard is just a badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I she didn't, is. I didn't say anything going into it. This is the first time I had watched All In. I, I'm sure Same. I had looked at the results previously. I didn't remember them. And I was going to say something when they were coming out where I was like, if Tessa Blanchard doesn't win this match, this is just stupid. And, I, and then I was like, you know, I'm not going to say that because then if she doesn't win, they're just going to make fun of me. And then she ended up winning. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, I knew I was yeah, right. This is my yeah. first time watching it too. So I would not have thought you were stupid because I was, I was, I thought the same thing. I mean, I was, I was going for uh, Britt Baker just because having watched her through the last few months, I've, I've become a really big fan of hers. I love Britt Baker. I love Chelsea Green, who is now in NXT. And, you know, God bless Madison Rain and the beautiful people with like her. She did some Velvet good stuff. Sky. Yeah, no, every, like, I, I thought all, all four women did a fantastic job, but. But Tessa Blanchard carries a legitimacy with her that no other woman right now can match. I mean, the closest you're going to get is like maybe Becky and Charlotte have built themselves up to that in WWE. Ronda Rousey and that sort of thing. But I'm sorry, Tessa Blanchard is real. I mean, I thought all, all four women did a phenomenal job. Everything looked great. There, there were very few errors. And you got to see some really good pure athleticism. And it was just a, a really fun match. The very end where you can see that they're trying to kind of like claim uh, the tap to keep it from. Yeah, it's a weird ending. Uh, Tessa hits a hammerlock DDT on Chelsea Green and Tessa wins. But there's like an attempt at a yeah last, yeah. last minute breakup and uh, the ref had counted three and so the breakup nobody, didn't happen yeah and they nobody was sure, sure. so yeah i mean it, i don't know if that was planned or that just kind of the way it looked it does mar a little but it doesn't take away um from the rest of the match at all and like i said i mean super highly entertaining i like that they they did it where everyone was in the ring at the same time. It wasn't like a, you know, two people start and you can tag in individually. Right. Um, you know, having all of that action from the very beginning, I think, added to showcase what they were able to um, do and accomplish, you know, as as professionals. All right. So that match is over. And the next match was uh, Cody versus Nick Aldis, which we're going to skip for right now because... We're going to put it in the main event spot where it deserved to be. The next match technically we're going to discuss is Joey Janela versus Hangman Adam Page. Joey Janela joined by Penelope Ford, who I have a huge crush on. Penelope Ford did better work in this match than Joey Janela <laughs> I, I would 100% agree with Fred on that one. <laughs> All right. So since I have uh, determined that and I've sworn that I will never blow smoke up anybody's ass on this show, I will just say this right now, here and up front. I don't get it with Joey Janela. I don't get what you, any... you said that while we were watching it, and I, I, I don't know what more you want from him. It doesn't, it didn't really make sense to me where you were like, I just don't get this guy. Man, I am not the best looking guy in the world, and I am not. A I disagree with that wrestler. as well. Thank you so much. I am not a professional wrestler, and I am not a man to pass judgment. But if I have to have an opinion, I just all due respect. Everything he does feels like he is a member of Jackass, and he is just taking bumps like throw me on tax or throw me through a table. I don't I don't get, get that him. from him. I thought he did, I I, thought, I mean it's not 
It's not that I think he's like this great wrestler, but I thought he did a perfectly serviceable job. I mean, I'm not saying like the match was bad. I'm just saying like I feel an obligation to be perfectly honest, that's, and I'm watching this. That's this, fine. This I mean, match, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm like, not calling you out on that. I'm just. I'm just saying I don't think he was that bad. I'm watching this match, and I'm like, Hangman Adam Page looks like a fucking beast. Hangman Adam Page has the body of a wrestler, and sure. Joey Janela falls a lot i i feel like that that adam page has been like kind of rebuilding himself and has been doing so with aew which we've we've talked about a little bit in our conversations throughout this this event at the same time i i, I don't know nothing that joey janela did really bothered me like adam page looked this great all, in everything he just did if i can preface it with the fact that i am not a professional wrestler i'm not a guy who put I, myself I, out there i'm not on a pay-per-view i would never I'm say that saying, about you no, I know. I'm just. I, I want to establish that I, I'm not trying to act like I'm any better than Joey Janela. No, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, if you want my honest opinion but, and things I want to watch, Joey Janela, I don't understand the popularity. I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't get why he's popular, but I, I at the same time, I don't have a problem with him being on the screen. Uh, Joey Janela worked as a good stunt man for making Adam Page look good, and it was entertaining to watch. Fred. It's time to chime in. Yeah, uh, Joey Janela just looks like a guy to me. Not swayed by uh, you know either argument you guys are making. Like you said in the beginning, this is just an opinion. Your opinion is you don't get it. Miles is like, yeah, I, I can see that, but he was fine in what he did. He just looks like a guy. It, that could have been anyone. This wasn't a match for joey janela this was a match for adam page and that was that. it was getting to uh a build-up you know it was mainly just we got to have him beat somebody up and then the whole thing is really for joey ryan to come out at the end and like i said in the beginning i think penelope ford outworked joey janela in this match oh 100 100 way more wrestling type stuff than you got out of Joey Janela, and I guess I would say I agree with you that I wouldn't understand him being massively popular. But if you know you read a list of names from the over budget battle royal, who would you have put in instead? Like uh, maybe the only guy I can see is putting Bully Ray in this slot instead of the battle royal. But I think him being in that and having that kind of like pass with Flip Gordon and, and things like that. That makes sense there. So who else were you going to have? Fair enough. I mean, I can actually can see that. They try to give you a little bit of a setup from their Being the Elite YouTube channel that Hangman Page has murdered Joey Ryan at one point, but Joey Ryan's dick comes back to life. <laughs> Which, and you know what? That's that's super entertaining to me. I think it's hilarious. I know you love that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's stupid. That's your thing. It's a 100% stupid thing to do, but it's really funny and dumb, and it adds a, a degree of levity in this event. So it kind of adds a good a bit of balance, you know, to me. Watching this pay-per-view, I can't get over the love that Miles and Fred had for the penis druids and Joey <laughs> Ryan coming out. It's so funny. It, it was, got it, over. It was kind of perfect. Yeah, it, it was it's, a great ending. It well, got the, over. If you had to be carried out of the Sears building, would you not want to be carried out by penis druids? <laughs> Come on. I mean, despite what anybody might say about professional wrestling and what's a joke. <laughs> 
joke and what's not. And the goal is to have argue, fun. Yeah, the goal is to have fun, and and you can't argue with that. I watched these two guys who had no idea what was quote unquote coming, and <laughs> they uh, <laughs> and they we definitely <laughs> son of a bitch. We definitely popped. <laughs> so for Joey Ryan's res erection, they did well when he was risen, and everybody looks disappointed at me. This is all shit they said. He has come it, no, again. It, 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 it's true. I, I don't know why we look disappointed in you. All right. We got Flip Gordon versus Jay Lethal Ring of Honor Championship match. This Flip Gordon up. with Brandy Rhodes. Yeah, Flip Gordon with Brandy Rhodes. Flip ends up being in the Battle Royal at the beginning in the pre-show, eliminates Bully Ray, becomes the contender for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Flip takes on Jay Lethal, who gets slapped ahead of the match and, I guess, absorbs that old Macho Man character that he had previously. And he, Black Machismo. He joins the fight with Lanny Poffo, who's the brother of the Macho Man Randy Savage. So it's a nice little touch. Yeah, there, I mean, uh, I really appreciated the, you know, the throwback and the the honoring uh, Macho Man and having, you know, Jay Lethal come out and do that. And, I mean, he was in black pants with the, you know, red and yellow tassels and gave him the sunglasses and every i mean he was so fully into character he was calling brandy liz throughout you know the situation until she slapped him back into being jay lethal and, yeah i mean it, it was just a fun interaction for those people that may have known jay lethal before all in and kind of have followed you know his career um into where he's at now as ring of honor champion I, I think you're 100% right they know that like one of his biggest moments in his career is that perfect black machismo character and they took advantage of it they also took advantage of i mean earlier in the podcast way earlier i mentioned the different aspects that you could attempt to get big on and one of those was the nostalgia factor right and uh so obviously this crowd is going to appreciate that Macho Man Randy Savage reference, they're going to go for it. So, Well, yeah, I mean, 100%. As we were watching it, when the hand came in and hand him the glasses, I immediately knew where that was going. And was I was like, yes, let's do that. This is, this is perfect. Um, that's what I wanted to see. And if yeah. he needed a reason to have more respect for Jay Lethal, he comes out with Lenny Poffo. It's a beautiful moment. It makes a ton of sense that this would happen. It's a really solid match on a card full of solid yeah. matches. So I mean, you've got uh, two very athletic guys going in there and, and giving their all and, and being on. Like I said, my favorite is Omega and Penta, and then the, the women are right behind that it's kind of hard to pick my next favorite because there are so many good options and this is one of them like this is just good all the way through jay lethal hits the lethal injection and wins the match and then that's it yep this is the way it should have ended i i don't i don't think flip gordon is at a, a spot where he should be winning the ring of honor title at this point i, um, I agree so i i don't think you know, you, you get to showcase him, you get to show Jay, you get to have fun with the things they had fun with, and then you go right into the correct ending, which is Jay Lethal winning and, and leaving Ring of Honor champion. Well, so. not, I mean, not only that, but like, especially if you have the Ring of Honor championship at risk for the for this match, like you can't not have Jay Lethal winning on this big of a venue. Unless it's to somebody bigger. Right. All right, so Penta El Cero versus Kenny Omega. My favorite of the night. Legitimately, there's something. Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. Right. Not self-proclaimed best wrestler in the world right now. 
maybe as Gary mentioned while we were watching, Will Ospreay has something to say about that. But you know, best <laughs> best wrestler in the world. It's, it's kind of disturbing. Something look. about Penta that just draws me in. I absolutely love He's watching that guy beast. work. Like the guy is is huge. But he he moves so fast, and he's I mean an incredible athlete. He does everything. He 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 moves well. He he has great strikes. He you know has an incredible move set. He high flyer. He does everything. That is a superstar. Absolutely, I, I, I agree. His whole presentation is fantastic. Absolutely, yep. like, and if you're gonna have Kenny Omega wrestle against somebody, he's a performer. And and if you want him to fight someone in this kind of setting you need someone who's gonna be a performer and damn did they get that yeah he's he's good man and they killed each other they yeah did. they yeah he <laughs> absolutely did they did multiple pal drivers is, Fred, it, is this I, the I, match I, that's all the neck attacks? yeah i was yes. about to say this? i think i have an exact quote from fred that at one point yelled at the screen do not care about necks. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they yeah. absolutely did not. No, it's it's There's a an very entire sequence that is just pile driver after pile driver after pile You're driver. Like wondering and, like and I saw I grew up in a time where like Owen Hart ruined Stone Cold for a while from a fucking pile driver, and these guys are yeah, just that has murdering been, each that has other. been a banned move in organizations throughout my wrestling fandom at certain points. Yeah. And they just And there's there's one going. on the edge of the ring. Yeah, the, like, no, the one on the apron. About. The one on the apron is just ridiculous. It's, You're like yeah, Kenny's head is all the way down on the apron when yeah, that happens. And it, it's I mean, it's a dangerous move. But it also, it provides that, for lack of a better term, that, that the independent spirit, that punk rock mentality that, that Billy Corgan's talked about, that is not present in the mainstream professional wrestling. Yeah. I, 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 and I understand it's, it's banned for reasons. It's a date. This is a dangerous say, match. If you could get away with it and you know that you're being safe, fine. Like, I mean, I'm all for punk and these rock dudes, and wrestling. Well, yeah, I these don't two, want people these to hurt each other. These two dudes clearly trusted each other because that match had a lot of things that could have gone very, very wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, so we'll get to, uh, obviously we're saving Nick Aldis and, and Cody Rhodes for the main event. Nick Aldis does a pile driver on Cody Rhodes where he's, significantly more safe he doesn't have cody's head between his legs when he lands cody lands on his lap like he's protecting him right. in that way that was that, not no the case no this is not here this no this this was an all out fight i mean it definitely has the 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 holy shit moments of well, like you don't expect well, and, to they, see and there there were even points where when uh the the ref is trying to lift uh omega's arm and he's like no no this one because he was still recovering from being hit from a fan's perspective like in pure spectacle it's it's amazing so the next match that comes up is well no i should say before we get there the ending of the match is omega ends up winning pinta is laid out the lights go out for a while they come back on and pinta jumps up and attacks omega turns out who could this be yeah turns out it's chris jericho Chris Jericho is there, uh, hits, I think, like two code breakers on yeah. Kenny Omega and uh, challenges him, says, I'll see you on the Jericho cruise. This will be the invitation to the first of, at this point that we're recording this, two matches that Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho have had. Which That's I think sets the stage for what AEW has done and will be doing for the foreseeable future. You're probably right. 
So the next matchup is Kazuchika Arkata versus the villain Marty Skrull, also a member of the Bullet Club. And this is a solid match. It's the one that seemed to have gone a little long that caused technical it, main it event. It did, too. but I didn't, I didn't complain about it. But just because, you, like you said, it's a solid match. Everyone looked great. Honestly, I, I just love watching Akata wrestle. Like he's, he's a phenomenal performer. I mean, honestly, like myself watching this, I didn't know necessarily what to expect. But Okada is the man in New Japan. So it's, with good reason, you have to assume that New Japan would not have him come in and just get his ass beat. That makes sense. But I, Okada coming in, and even if he knew he was not going to go down in this match, he made Marty Skrull look like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, and that's always to me like the sign of an amazing competitor. So if you look at this match maybe in terms of storytelling so i talked about how much i liked omega and penta but that match is almost from the beginning balls to the wall there's no build-up they they do a little bit in the beginning and then it's just a lot of spots and it's very good they do a great job of it but this match builds from the beginning and they tell the story of the two of them working on each other and wearing each other out and wearing each mm-hmm. other down. And that's where, you know, like you said, give credit to Okada, even knowing I'm not going to lose this match, he doesn't just run over Skrull. He tells a story with him where they are wearing each other out and someone is eventually going to win. And that's what makes it a dynamic I think bout because <clears throat> even from the beginning, because they set, the, set it up as, as him as the villain and then, Okada comes out with this this, this great outfit, the, the jewelry and everything, the whole Okada bucks that yeah, come from yeah. the sky. Everything about that is fantastic. And I, I think at the time I was even like viewing him as so awesome. And if somebody like WWE got a hold of him. Because he comes out like a champion. Yeah. It is not a match where it's he's clear he's the champion the entire time. He he looks great, but the the story that those two wrestlers tell throughout their their match, it's so dynamic and you kind of feel like a cause going to win at the end at the end of the day. Right. But like you said, they do such a good job of making the villain look fantastic that even though he lost, he still looked great. I think that's the best you can ask from a card like that. It's a, it's a star-making performance for Marty Skrull, I feel like. And he'll go on from here to much bigger and better things. But at the end of the day, Okada takes the victory as it should be. He's the man. So, and that leads us into the final match, which is Ray Phoenix, Bandito, Ray Mysterio, the Wolverine, versus <laughs> the Young Bucks, and Kota Ibushi, the Golden Elite. This is, I mean, oh, it's it's kind of sad that it got cut short because this is a pretty fantastic match. And Fred, I'm curious to know your thoughts because I know since I had to give my controversial thoughts on Joey Janela, I'll be happy to point out that you happen to not be a fan of the Young Bucks. So I, like you said earlier with Janela, something about that just doesn't hit with you. Something about the Young Bucks just doesn't hit with me. I I don't understand it. I don't get the connection. They're great at marketing themselves. They've done an amazing job going from guys I've never heard of to guys I'm now watching multiple pay-per-views of. I'm interested in the, the company they're building and where it's going. But they just don't present anything other than super kicks and a knockoff Hardy Boys to me. Like, I just don't get it. 
at the same time, I can respect the work that they do in this match with the the talent that they're in there with. Now, you would have to be really shitty, I think, as a wrestler to ruin what you're doing with the guys you're in there with. Right. I mean, for starters, Rey Mysterio and Ibushi are both in this match. And and they both are incredible in this match. It's worth mentioning at the time that this was recorded, and you can see it in the match. It's palpable, the excitement. The second that Rey Mysterio and Kota Ibushi are in there at the same time, these fans recognize the importance. They went nuts. Like the biggest... A reaction of the night was just them getting in the ring together. Yeah, just them like across the ring from each other was a very like this is not supposed to happen. How are we seeing this right in front of us and right now? I think that's what makes the result of this match so disappointing. Like I I I I disagree with 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 you guys in that I I do like the Young Bucks. I don't think they're the best tag team uh, in the world, but I think they're they're really fun. Well, I did not say I didn't like the Young Bucks. No, you, you, he you, was just giving me my opportunity oh, to come okay. out and tell everybody that I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I like them fine, but at the same time, the athleticism displayed in this match, like honestly, it felt a little bit like a WWE card in that there was a point in this match where Rey Mysterio and his his team are clearly just destroying everyone. Matt, I mean, it, it was it was Matt. At the time. They're they're flying everywhere. To me, they they controlled the the match in such an overhanded way that the turn did not feel earned to me at the end. It was fine, but like as as the final bow, like I I felt a little disappointed that they did not win the match. So obviously, I think that comes into the time that they had. Sure, because that's I guess would be besides my you know, opinion of not liking the Bucks, that would be my one critique of this is that it definitely feels spot fest ish. But I think that's because they were working on limited time. Gary well, pointed we, out we hear them yeah, say, take it home. Right. Gary pointed out while we were watching it, you can hear them say, We need to go home. And then there's still another ten minutes at least right. of match after that. So at that point they had to have gone into, okay, let's just hit these spots. Whereas had they had the actual time to work, I don't think it would have been back to back to back to back like that. Yes, they're going to have some of those instances because that's what they do. They do amazing things, but it wouldn't have been one after the other yeah, after the other. I mean, I'm with you. I think they would have paced it a little bit differently. Uh, uh, yeah, a little more properly. And, than, uh, like I, it would have felt more authentic as it was happening. Right. And I, and I don't disagree, but because they cut it short, it just felt very Deus Ex Machina, really, about yeah. it. Like it just felt. All right, this match is over. Uh, Young Bucks win. They they hadn't controlled the match at all and were being outperformed drastically. It made the match feel a little shallow for me. And as far as being the last match of the night, while I still thought it was a solid match, it looked great. The the result did leave me a little hollow. If you go back um, just a little bit, or not even a little bit to the beginning, that's almost kind of a theme for the evening. MJF controlled his entire match matt cross just kind of wins it out of nowhere yeah Stephen amell christopher daniels not necessarily out of nowhere but Stephen amell did a lot of the stuff in that match christopher daniels just kind of wins it out of nowhere it was a little bit of that's true a theme that you get in these matches i think they were definitely affected by the time yeah yeah i mean time but if if you had to take time from that to give to okada and skrull like i'm kind of okay with that 
Like, I, I enjoyed the match I got out of them. I yeah. mean, as a solid pound for pound as a whole match, I mean, it's hard to argue against Akata and Skrull being so, uh, a legitimate contender for best match of the night. I would buy somebody saying that. So let's move on to the main event as far as we're concerned. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis for the NWA World Championship. Obviously, this wasn't the main event. But as we talked it through, I actually came to an agreement with, I, I think it might have been you, Fred, that or, or someone that said that like maybe this was the best place. that it Well, just up. in that terms of the, yeah. getting that emotional ending and the way that things wrapped up is they, I mean, the Young Bucks win, and like Miles said, okay, they won, now it's over, because they ran out of time. Had that happened at the end of Nick Aldis, Cody, you get no emotional payoff yeah. to I w- what happened. There. I would have hated it if that had happened. If to, Cody wins to the belt Cody. and then it yeah. cuts like, off with 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 those two in the center, like they get to eat up all the time they need and and get all the emotion that they need for that match to matter. And I feel like the middle. And I feel this about like main events in general. I like I like that it's in the middle because for me, I get the maximum impact emotionally and time wise that I need from it. Like like Fred said, if that had happened at the very end, people would have been pissed off because they would have just cut to the end. And the more I think about, because I've actually been thinking about what Miles said about that, like you know the main event being in the middle and, and that kind of thing. And I, I guess maybe my mindset is always main event means end of the night, but you know boxing, UFC, whatever. But in that, th- I think even All In knew this was the main event, and it, the the main place to look at it is from the very beginning. Look at the, I mean, the walkouts, you know, Cody's coming out with his squad Mm -hmm. and then Nick Aldis comes out with his group. They're coming out together and they've got this big build and there's just more to it. Yes, there were some other cool entrances. Cody came out with DDP, Tommy Dreamer, Glacier, his dog Pharaoh, which has become a Brandy had come out in the beginning and kind of like was hyping it up and then they come out together. and Yeah, then Nick Aldis enters with Jeff Jarrett, who's a former NWA champion, uh, Sean Davari, Samuel Shaw, and Tim Storm, who has slowly, you know, if you're following the NWA story, has become a celebrity over his own time. It's a it's a big deal. Earl Hebner is refing this match. Everybody yeah. knows. I mean, as famous. I as mean, that's a, main as, event referee. I was yeah. gonna say, as famous as referees get, Earl Hebner is the guy. And, and I mean, and, and as we said at the top of the show, this is this is the match that All In was built around. Yeah, I mean, it was at the time that it sold out. It was like the announced match. Yep. So that's a big deal. I mean, this is not going to be the super crazy, flying, insane match. But this is the emotional requiring this cathartic release like, right. through and the whole that's why like, I think thing. the placement of this match is so smart. This is the primetime match. This is when... You have the peak amount of people watching live. The, I, I would imagine it began like at seven o'clock. Yeah, maybe. The, yeah. So this is like eight thirty, maybe nine at the latest. Everyone's still up watching this. Obviously, you have the sellout crowd, but like this is the match that everyone's eyes are on, and and, and as well it should be. This is the one that sold all in. But you also have Cody Rhodes, you know, son of Dusty Rhodes, and you have. Nick Aldis, who at this point had held the championship for, was it 238 days? Something like that, that, yeah. So if you're going to have a match like this, I I think that this is, to me, the main event of of the show. 
I agree with you. And no other match has has had this kind of gravitas, gravitas, like behind it. Yeah, exactly. So even so, so (laughs) watching. Uh, going back to my episodes of the YouTube rewatch, the beginning of the Aldous Crusade, you see some of these matches against David Starr and stuff, and they have a good arena inside, but they're not on this type of venue. And this is something that I've been wanting to see for both the NWA, but but for Nick Aldous in particular, is I want him to I want him to be in an arena with 10,000 people that like I want to see him defending his end his 10 pounds of gold to a sold out crowd, and this. I think really gives you that because if you're going to have Nick Aldis against someone like Cody Rhodes, it needs to be, it can only be in something like All In for me. Oh my God, that's a good point. This guy has been taking this title that had been reduced in its value in the wrestling world, and he's slowly been trying to build it back. And he's, and he's been doing a killer, like Aldis gets all the credit in the world to me. For giving that value back to the 10 pounds of gold. He's going to take it to every continent that he can take it. I'm going to defend this thing in every place that I could possibly defend it. I'm going to go on the Aldous Crusade. I want you to try to take this belt from me, and I'm going to prove that I can defend it. And here he is with Cody Rhodes, who's finally giving it from his end, this other side of it that, like, this is a belt that my dad treated as the most important thing in the world at one point i want to hold it too and here's this guy that's going to try to stop me i mean there's a beautiful aspect to all of that build there's this whole big fight feel to it this is the one that i mean even in the star cast one of the things that they promoted was the weigh-in and it was to see cody face off Against Nick Aldis. Right. And well, even even the NWA's YouTube show was talking about the Cody Aldis thing. All that was building up. Cody and Nick Aldis. And as well it should have been because this was such a great thing for the NWA. Here is a sold out show in front of over 10,000 people in a pay-per-view who have may not have seen the NWA show in a very long time. Here is our champion on stage with someone you might recognize from the WWE, and there's no better moment for the NWA in recent history than this match right here. So I was looking at the Wrestling Observer newsletter, and Joseph Currier, uh, in his report from after the show, said, an NWA title match being the most heated thing on an indie supercar would have been mind-blowing not all that long ago. And it was fairly surreal as Cody versus Aldis was happening. In the moment, the fans treated the belt as the most important thing in the world. It wasn't just a title. This was the world championship. Maybe that couldn't have been created without the story of Cody chasing a title that his late father was synonymous with. But everyone involved deserves a lot of credit for making it happen. Both Cody and Aldis were accompanied to the ring by entourages, with Cody consisting of his wife, Brandy, their dog, members of their family, DDP Glacier, and Tommy Dreamer. People have suspended their disbelief and bought into the match, but the presentation helped make them certain that this moment was real. Winning the title was legitimately important to Cody for so many reasons, and it's happening at a show he put together, and his friends will always make it one of the highlights of his life. Billy Corgan, Dave Lagana, and his team revived the NWA, and they're attempting to bring a brand back from the dead and sustain it in relevance. 
How successful they'll be in the long term remains to be seen, but Saturday's title match wasn't just about Cody. The NWA made their world championship mean something again with their 10 pounds of gold YouTube series, and they added to the excitement of Cody versus Aldis with their videos. I, I, and I agree with that because this fight would not have meant anything if the NWA had not been priming Nick Aldis to be their figurehead, their their champion. And Nick Aldis, to his credit, has done an amazing job making the 10 pounds of gold. One, means something, but also in terms of how he's acted, how he's conducted himself. And again, back to the uh, YouTube rewatch that I, I did, seeing him on the, the Charlotte Morning Show, he is being the spokesperson for the NWA I don't think this match would have met as much if Nick Aldis has had not been the figurehead for the NWA, not put the work in and been the champion for 200 something days. This match would not have been the big deal it was without Billy Corgan, without Nick Aldis doing all of that work in the background. You know, and something uh, I took for granted, you had mentioned when you did your rewatch. Um, when I did mine at the very beginning, you know, the, the very first ones that, that we got into, one of the things I said that I wanted to see was Nick Aldis operating on a bigger level than what we got. You know, the, the shows that they did in the very beginning, you know, out in California, that ring is very small. They're doing it to like 20, 30 people. I specifically said I'd like to see him move and work in a bigger ring and see what he's able to do. And I didn't even think about that while we were watching this, that that that's what I was getting. I was getting that opportunity to see him actually work on a bigger stage. I was that bought into the match itself. So the build that, you know, we watched a couple of the videos just as a, as a refresher before we started watching all in and just that little that build and knowing the, the story of, I mean, even with Cody and, you know, his dad, Dusty, having held the, the title, it, I mean, it goes deeper than that. Cody's connection to his dad was never as strong as it was between Dusty and Dustin. Right. So for him to have that belt that Dustin never held, and it's just Dusty Rhodes and Cody Rhodes having held it, that's even more, it gives him that much more connection that he may have been missing or felt he was missing, you know? So all of that buildup, I mean, made me completely forget the, the things that I felt were lacking when I watched in the beginning. And now I'm watching, you know, the, the NWA champion on a big card in a big venue in a, a much larger ring actually do work and look fantastic. Yeah. And, and that is the test of a champion because if Nick Aldis hadn't been every bit of the champion that they have tried to build him up to be, he would have looked very weak on that stage, and he looked amazing. I love Cody. I, I was Team Cody going into this, and still still am. But Well, I mean, that whole arena was. I mean, it but, was clearly Nick Aldis was walking into this as the heel. Right, Cody but, was but bringing I give, this event to well, people. He, and he definitely helped maintain that status. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. He was not. He was not fighting it. No, and 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 I said this even before is that Aldis had these components to be either a babyface or a heel. The way he conducts himself with such confidence is amazing. It's everything you want a spokesperson. But if he were not the athlete that he was, like if he was not able to hold his own, you would have found out right there on that big stage. And seeing that match made me want to see. 
all this compete on that level of stuff more frequently. It maybe want more Nick Aldis, but it also maybe want more Nick Aldis in front of ten thousand people. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely walked in as the champion, and by that I mean he walked in as this is my belt, this is what I represent. Come take it from me. Yeah, you have to beat me to take this, right? And that's not going to be an easy task. That's the important part of it. At the end of the day. And those fans, they were already, I mean, immediately they were against all of us and for Cody. And that's a lot because of this whole event that we're talking about that Cody helped bring to them. But it's also the history, the tradition, the things I like start off the show talking about. It's the it's this this whole desire that this is the son of the late great Dusty Rose trying to take this title that his father held, and it means something. But that transference, in turn, means something to the fans. And and in turn, for the NWA, it brings that prestige back to the 10 pounds of gold that, unfortunately, people had not given it for so long. So... I guess it's worth saying, I mean, just to get this out of the way, I mean, Cody ends up stuffing a roll up and ends up winning the championship. And he is the brand new, as we're recording this, he he is the brand new NWA world heavyweight champion and is now on the Rhodes crusade. No, but, but this, this match looked fantastic. Like, like uh, Fred had said earlier, like these guys are both monsters and we got that kind of kaiju-sized battle. These guys went at each other, and... That's actually a really good way of putting it. I mean, kaiju, we're talking about, like, Godzilla versus King Kong. Like, I mean, we're talking about... Like, these they're guys, both big dudes. Yeah, and they carried themselves like big dudes. They carried themselves like guys that mattered. Yeah. Like, these were the titans of the industry, and Nick Aldis is a guy who thinks to that series so far had been all over the world. I've been in multiple continents, in multiple countries. I've defended this title. You've got to take this from me if you want it, because I've made it matter again. And the crowd may have been in favor of Cody, but really, that was it was Nick Aldis's house, and for all intents and purposes, I was gonna say it's 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 honestly it's difficult to dislike Nick Aldis because of how I mean how cool the dude he is. Until yeah, he drops that elbow. He drops an elbow on Brandy Rhodes, and then all bets are off. (laughs) Ain't I was fine with that. You get in the way, you're gonna catch an elbow. I'm just saying. (laughs) I I I love what I love. But here's the thing: like Penelope Ford showed that you can get involved in a match and not until I guess the end get your head kicked off. Brandy Rhodes is just like, I guess I'm just gonna take this elbow here, (laughs) like laid down in the middle of a match. I love the. ambiguity no, but in see, the process. But, no, but you do th- you do that because that perfectly paints all this as the heel of the match. As soon as Brandy, who out of love is throwing herself over her husband because you know she's so worried about him, and then all this jumps anyway and gives her the elbow, all of a sudden you have instant bad guy. I took it as alright, I'm going up on top and I am jumping. If you're fucking still there, <laughs> that's on that's, you. That's on right. you. And I mean, he shows it afterwards. Like even after he does it, he has that 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 moment of, oh, what did I just do? Right. You right. know, he he's still reacting. Which but is the weird thing as about the all champ, this. 
you you got to make that call. Like you're either you're gonna <laughs> let that distract you and be right. a problem, and you're gonna lose your belt, or you're gonna make the leap and try to keep it. And I yeah. I, I said this the, the last time I was on about all this. It's like he can be the the heel or the babyface either way, and I I don't know if they can decide how they want to do him. So they keep him in that perfect razor's edge. Like he made that heel move, but because he shows that remorse that a heel wouldn't. But for the crowd to, for him to take that heel moment, one, it fuels the crowd to to really get behind Cody. And it makes the end of that match an even bigger finale for what I think the crowd and and we consider the main event of the evening. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the, it was what needed to happen in, yeah, in that um, match. The crowd already was but you get you get Cody guy. with the belt and he just falls to his knees and he sobs. It's it's phenomenal. It's 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 great storytelling, it's great wrestling. I it was my favorite moment of the night. At the end of the day, when people look back on this pay-per-view, that's the moment that people are gonna look back on. I met Bruce Mitchell from the Pro Wrestling Torch, who's considered by many to be like a wrestling historian. Recognized him immediately, went up and started talking to him. We were at the VIP show for the Crockett Cup and we had a conversation i was like look man i know this seems lame but for me like crockett cup is my wrestlemania like i'm super excited i'm doing it all i'm vip i'm i'm here i'm doing this whole thing and he's like as you should be this is cool and he's like i grew up in greensboro north carolina and the nwa championship was everything and he was like, when I grew up, it was Harley Race and Ric Flair, and they were fighting over the 10 pounds of gold, and it was a big, big deal. And it got to a point for me at a certain time where it had kind of faded away. People were trying to like prop it up in other promotions that I was like, would you just let it die? Like, Let me just have the memories that I had and just let this thing be over with. And he's like, I, I just assumed that that was all in the past. And he was like, but I watched it all then when Cody Rhodes faced off against Nick Aldis. And I was like, there's life in the old girl yet. This thing is not dead. I, 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 I agree. Be. <laughs> because that that moment is really a statement for the potential of the NWA. And I, I give I give uh, Billy Corgan and Nick Aldis all the credit in the world for for what they did with that match because they could have been like no we're not going to have it Nick Aldis lose it might have had some drama down the road but it it just wouldn't have the I think the impact that it, that it had for all right Nick Aldis is going to lose and he's going to break his two hundred plus day streak with the ten pounds of gold. The trade-off is the 10 pounds of gold is going to mean even more at the end of the night. And I think they could not have made a better move out of anything with all in, no matter what the legacy is, what, you know, you know, it, uh, with, you know, AEW and everything, the legacy for the NWA is at the end of the night, the 10 pounds of gold became more valuable once again. I think this is a moment that a lot of people will always look back on as this is a point where it was legitimized. And here it is. It's being promoted into the mainstream. And here's a moment where something happened where Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks created a thing that became bigger than life, too. 
Right. The weird part is, is for like a lot of people, what happens here is what does this mean? What does this all mean for the future of wrestling? And I think we're still figuring that yeah, out. We're not going to know for at least five to ten more years. Yeah, because I think Ring of Honor thought maybe this means Ring of Honor is super popular. But I think that they have found since that they are perhaps incorrect because Although they sold out recently Madison Square Garden, it was a show that was announced prior to folks like Cody Rhodes not being there. I think that a lot of what happened in this show was a lot about personalities. Now, coming from where we have the beginning of AEW, it feels like, in retrospect, groundwork for everything they've picked up. Because a lot of those wrestlers have, have now signed on to AEW, and they're picking up those threads. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I'm working towards here is that, like, I feel like one of the big aspects you could take from this is that it's important for wrestlers to have agency. For wrestlers to have their own personalities, for wrestlers to yeah. boost their own creative sides, like, to do their thing, and that people want to see what comes of that. The trouble is is that what's happened is a company like NWA has still petered on from there and done their own thing. I say petered on, like I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but like they've moved along to the side from what has happened here. And a company like AEW has formed, like Tony Khan and the Khan family has seen what Cody and the Young Bucks were able to create, Con family being like the owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars and billionaires in their own rights, right. like doing all this thing. They've like bought in and they're like, these guys were able to make this thing happen. I'm going to just pay all this money and do this thing. And so now you have a discussion about, okay, now they're able to pay all this money and they can make their own company. Is that the way to go? Or is this more about the personalities involved in wrestling? Is this more about so, people being free and independent and doing their own thing? It's 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 tough to say because I I initially was I'm and, and still am all in on AEW, but you know recently when, when talking about the legacy, we had the interview with Nick Aldis, who publicly said, you know, I was offered to to come on AEW and and would have, but they would not allow me to wrestle with NWA. And so I declined. And I don't disagree with him doing that. I think that was the smart move for him. I would have loved to see Nick Aldis as part of, you know, some of the AEW storytelling, but it doesn't make sense for a champion like Nick Aldis to just be a regular guy on a Tuesday night for AEW. Not saying that that's what they're going to end up doing, but when you have a weekly wrestling show, it's going to be, it's, there's going to be some sort of regularity to it. I know that that's more, that's not Cody Rhodes, that's not Young Bucks, that's probably more con than anything else or it could just be how you how you have an, a big uh, wrestling company that has a TV contract I don't know as I'm researching more and more about the history of wrestling the thing is what I worry about with AEW is the thing that that happened with Vince McMahon when the NWA initially existed and they were not by any means, and I hope to get into this in the podcast, they were not perfect, but they were more about several different places working together to make a thing. Right. And Vince went national and took his thing as a singular vision, like this is all mine or nothing, and ended up winning out. So you have two ways of looking at this. Vince's thing has always been consume as much as you can and become the thing that matters. 
the NWA was always like consume as an overarching thing, like make all of these things work together well, and, and that's, make it the thing that matters. And that's a tough call. You worry that a company like AEW is going to have to face those circumstances. Right. That they're going to have to be, what do we become? There is a worse option. By the way, what I was going to say with the Vince McMahon thing is, is like, there is absolutely a worse option. It's what happened to WCW. AOL Time Warner like buys you up and it's just the corporate machine right. that buys you up. And it's bureaucrats and whoever controlling interest in the whole thing. And they have no idea what they're talking about. They're right. just like, whatever we have to do, like, let's just make money. Does it not make money? All right, sell it. At least a guy like Vince McMahon cares. You can see, like, well, it's he, a family business for him. He's right? like, this is my family business. I want to run the wrestling industry because I know the best thing for it. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. <laughs> He's like, I will control the narrative from here on. I will handle this. That's Vince's thing. I mean, so if I'm being empathetic or like trying to understand where he's coming from, that's his deal. Meanwhile, there's people like Billy Corgan, who I think, you know, despite what anybody thinks about Billy Corgan, I mean, is out there and has from day one said it's about the smaller companies forming together to fight this monolithic Starship. Starship that's out there. Exactly. And, and, and the thing is, I in this in this instance, I completely agree with Corgan. And that's what I loved about All In. It was all these companies coming together and bringing their wrestlers in. I don't know what the future is going to hold for AEW and wh or what it's going to do. It was a little disappointing to find out that that they were their whole thing was you know we're for wrestlers by wrestlers for wrestling fans. The idea was that you were in a new professional realm but also independent. But you find out it's you're not that independent. You're still you're still beholden to this company, um, which is a bummer because I would have loved to see more of the Cody Rose Nick Aldis story. But at the same time, I don't want Nick Aldis to have to sacrifice the NWA because I think that's what would have happened had he decided to side, uh, sign on with AEW. Well, the beauty part is, Miles, is that at least at the point that we're on right this very moment with... Uh, none of this has happened yet. <laughs> yeah, none of this has happened yet. And Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis, their saga has not ended. Right. And you can still see more of the story between Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes. You've got more to go. Final thoughts, Fred. Well, I uh, think um, as we're looking at the, the legacy of what All In is, it's very unique to this is the NWA or or the NWA in general. Obviously, your goal with this podcast is to speak about a company and a brand that you have supported from day one, that you love, that you are willing to do whatever to get the word out. I mean, that's the whole point. Get people who weren't watching to watch with you and talk about it. All In is not an NWA pay-per-view. All In is not a Ring of Honor or an AEW. It's a grouping of guys who come together and wrestle. And really, there's only the one NWA aspect to it. And it's just Aldis and, and Cody. And so in terms of what it does for the NWA, I think it does everything we talked about today. It it is a it pushes the belt into a little bit higher stratosphere than they were at. I mean, you go all the way back to the beginning when we watched in the, in the you know, the even in the the couple of build up episodes, the beginning of our my rewatch or you know my watch, they're like, well, who even is the NWA World Champion? Now people know 
who the NWA world champion is. Now this belt matters and it means something. So moving forward, regardless of whatever comes out of this on the side of like what AEW is or anything like that, this belt has a level of notoriety that it's not had for even this build to all in. And it can only get better moving forward. They didn't do anything to hurt the brand. They didn't do anything to hurt the belt. And they didn't do anything to hurt their champion. And and what I say in that is, having watched this, yes, I know what comes after. But having watched this, I still don't feel like Cody is the champ. He's renting a belt that his dad held because for him it's a notch on the belt. For all this, this is a way of life. He is the NWA world champion, and that's what he's going to continue to represent. And one of the things that, like you said earlier, in a, in a way, give credit to Vince, one of his monikers is the chase is what matters. Now Aldis gets to chase because there's no way he's going to fall off at this point. It's not like NWA has a giant roster. Aldis is going to be the guy going after Cody, and now you get to see how he behaves in this chase. When he chased Tim Storm, he, had, he hadn't held the belt. There's nothing there. He's coming off of a super long reign as champion and gets to chase a big name renting his title. That's a really good point. Nick Aldis certainly is not going to sleep on this. This would make me more interested in seeing more NWA. Now, like you said, we don't we have the benefit of hindsight. We know what's happened in the year since. There's a lot of things that that stem from this. At the time, though, the the things that would interest me most after this would be, I want to see what Nick Aldis does. I want to see how that moves forward for the NWA. And then secondary would be what happens with that whole Jericho attack on Omega. Obviously, hindsight, we know what happens there. And the same with the title. But those would be the things that I most, that's the legacy of this show to me. Outside of it creating AEW and all of those other things that we also know. Yeah, so um, like like I said before, I, I think we still don't know what the significance this is going to have for wrestling as a whole in the historical aspect. I think it's still too soon to say, but I think for right now we can say this was a shining moment for independent wrestling in general. And I, I agree with Fred about, in terms of, of what this means for NWA, creating the chase for Nick Aldis. Because when, even the, the, the beginning of it, you got this, this feeling that like, yeah, of course Nick Aldis is going to win. Having him lose and having him lose on that stage creates such a drama that even if you haven't watched the NWA at all, you're like, this, this is interesting. The belt means something to these people. I want to research this. This is this is something that's that's historically important to wrestling. But now you have this 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 whole thing set up where Nick Aldis has lost the ten pounds of gold. And in terms of the NWA, that's a huge fucking deal. Like he's had this for almost a year straight. That sets up so much in terms of story and in terms of what they can do with the NWA from from here on out. Having been on. A venue where you've got 10,000 people in an arena. When you mention Ring of Honor trying to do this without Cody and the Young Bucks specifically, that's giving a lot of credit and, and possibly due to Cody and the Young Bucks. The problem is they weren't the only people outside of Ring of Honor guys that were at all in. So if you're looking at it from that standpoint, Ring of Honor tries to replicate this. They're just a single company, and that's 
the same thing that WWE provides. A right. single company is providing you a pay-per-view with our guys. These are our guys. That's what you're getting. It's just a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. So I think in terms of that, the real answer is we'll see. And the reason being is AEW has already shown that they're not necessarily going to be cross-promoting with these other companies anymore. It's going to be you're an AEW guy or you're not. And if you're not, you're not going to be on the future show. All Out is mostly people under contract with AEW. And I'm wondering if them just being a solo company, if the shine is going to come off a little bit. And the reason being is like, we go back to, think about, we talked about it. What was the biggest pop of the night? Rey Mysterio and Ibushi, two guys who over the course of their careers had never met. And now they were finally in a ring together. In an AEW only pay-per-view, that doesn't happen. In a Ring of Honor only pay-per-view, that doesn't happen. New Japan only, that doesn't happen. The biggest part of this is it was finally, and this may be the true NWA legacy, it was finally back to that old school, these small things are coming together to present the bigger piece. It's been something that I've been contemplating the more and more I research the NWA. Are we going to end up back in a place that like where it started? Just what Vince McMahon initially killed is, is what that, is, what wrestling needs to is to that get what back it's going to gonna need? Yeah, yeah exactly. Probably yeah, don't is look it, at them as companies. <laughs> look at them as territories. And if you have something like you know they find a way to work together and they they come together and present product that can't be beat. The WWE has a level of superstar that is great because they've been handpicking. Like, a guy gets so big in Ring of Honor, WWE comes in and gives him a shitload of money and then buries him. If that's no longer an option because AEW exists, because the NWA exists, because Ring of Honor and and New Japan and these things exist, and AAA and, you know, uh, uh, CMLL and those kind of things, and they can find a way to work together that all of this top-level talent is facing each other rather than getting to a point where they're so far and away better than the guys below them that the WWE is like, okay, we'll take that and stash it in the locker room. That's the best way to move forward with this, in my opinion. I'm actually not against you on that one. I, th- I think that that's what it's going to end up being this. I mean, I, I think that that's what ultimately Billy Corgan, his idea is for this thing. I think even he's had to succumb a little bit to the pressures and be like, I need these guys to be with me for sure. Hard. He's going to let them still yeah. like go do their dates elsewhere. But he's like, I need to know that you'll be there when I need you to be right. there. It's very hard <laughs> to sell the idea to new wrestlers. Like It's hard to build your roster if you can't give them a level of exposure that they would get elsewhere nick aldis has been in from the beginning you know he he's helped build it he's helped it get to a place but the youtube channel itself is the 10 pounds of gold it's really the belt it's not the guy or the guys that aren't competing for the belt so unless you have something and that may be where that pressure is coming from that may, may be where you get to where we are today not at the time of this watch where a weekly show is on the way that has to happen if you want to build any kind of actual roster that is nwa talent which is what obviously they've been doing i think that their ideal situation is that they would love to 
like incorporate anybody that's interested and just like working together to promote something together. But I mean, I'm sure it is a very complicated situation to make something like that happen. Well, it's, um, I mean, and you think about in a situation like this. So Cody Rhodes has just won the NWA world title. He is not an NWA wrestler. So what does that mean? Does that mean moving forward, he has to join the NWA? Or does that mean moving forward, you can't have an N- a non-NWA guy win? If your goal is to incorporate like that, you have to be able to work that out. And that's very, you know, like you said, it's very difficult. It's a very fine line to walk on what that means. Which I'm sure they worked out well before. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm saying even moving forward. Like, if the whole point is... Let's work with everybody. So now NWA wants to go and they want to do something with CMLL and they want to have, you know, their biggest guy or they want to have like El Bandito fight for, you know, the the NWA world title. Does he go into that knowing, well, I'm not an NWA guy, so I'm not going to win this because they can't keep giving it to other promotions. It's not just the belt anymore. Yes, it's the important piece of what they're showing us on YouTube, but it's the company is back. So it's right. not like the NWA champion in CMLL. It's this is the NWA. This is our belt. You can come here and fight for it. But like we need. Yeah. Well, what you're saying is like Bandito jumps in and then like Bandito has to be able to go to wherever. Exactly. And defend that. But title. he's still under contract with CMLL. So he may not be able to do that. He's not able to do something like the Aldous Crusade where, you know, you want to send him to Japan to fight. Cole Cabana like it's you're not going to have that opportunity so it's it's an unenviable position for them to try to figure out their place as they're putting the importance on the most prestigious title that's existed in in wrestling this is definitely the difficult part because i mean what this pay-per-view spawned is like putting the nwa in a predicament that they're still trying to do that and they introduced the world to the cody rhodes and the young bucks and kenny omega and tony khan and the khan family bought in and they spun off into what we now know as aew yeah and we'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, like I said at the top of the show, I'm, I've am i still, as a fan, been very enthusiastic about what they've done creatively so far, and I'm looking forward to see what they're doing next. Uh, at the same time, I can I can equally be critical to, I, I'm, I'm bummed what, what happened with all this. I would have loved to see him on AEW, and it kind of goes, steps back from, you know, Cody and the Unbucks' initial desire to have a, have a wrestling program where... It, independent wrestlers could still be independent. I think in this case, it's more like independent in the same way that you know Death Cab for Cutie was independent. Still, is they they were making indie music, but they were still signed to Atlantic. You know. Yeah. Well, the uh, end of the road is not here yet. We are still figuring this thing out. Everybody's yeah. still working out all of the details, and maybe Nick Aldis eventually appears in AEW. Well, maybe and, again. I don't blame Nick Aldis because. I don't like the fact that he's not allowed to wrestle with uh, NWA. And so I, I I totally agree with his call. Yeah. The future is yet to be determined, Miles and Fred. I want to thank both of you so very much for joining me for this excessively long <laughs> look. It's been a very long day. <laughs> on all in, we have been hanging out with each other and drinking and hanging out and just watching. Like 10 hours in, now. 10 hours. We've watched all of All In. We've discussed all of All In. I appreciate you. I appreciate all of the listeners 
for checking in with us and just being a part of this and being so supportive. So supportive, we even had Nick Aldis chime in and even promote, by name, the podcast himself. That's That's awesome. That's very sweet of him. We hope you'll keep coming back. We're working our way toward the future of the NWA, and we hope to catch up with the present time where the NWA will be introducing their very first show in so many years, taping on September 30th, October 1st, You'll get the first uh, opportunity of uh, seeing the NWA studio show if you sign up at nationalwrestlingalliance.com. You can put in your email there, and they will shoot you the info on how to get tickets. Miles, you want to tell us where we can find you online? Yeah, you can find me uh, at the more you nerd on Twitter at Miles will save us on Instagram, or if you hop on the Sagatronic Film Society podcast, I am Old Town Road super fan number one. <laughs> Fred, where 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 can people find you? Uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, at O'Reilly underscore Fred O R L Y underscore Fred. I am at Rock Andrew Gary, all spelled out, and of course, this podcast, if you are not already aware, is at the NWA Pod. I want to post pictures of these beautiful people and show you who they are so you can keep up with all of us and all of our adventures in the NWA. I hope once the weekly show starts back up, I can have folks like Fred and Miles back on on a regular occasion. But until then, you can stay tuned for the weekly updates with me, the YouTube rewatches with a brand new person every single time. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are fantastic, and I am in love with all of you. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. All right, bye-bye. I don't have a good closing. Bye.